inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining this show today. Have you ever had the dilemma of thinking, what would you wear on stage? What should you know in advance about the, the venue, the audience, to make your decision what to dress and why this is so important? For that, we have a very special guest who is an expert in personal branding and many other in interesting things. Let me introduce you, Isabella Cliviles Vu. She is an alumna of the internationally acclaimed Fashion Institute of Technology, a certified member of the Neuro Leadership Institute, and a regular contributor to Forbes Under 30 blog. Isabella also holds dual certifications in both personal branding and menswear from the studio of image professionals. Isabella is an innovator and thought leader in her field the first to merge a passion from, for neuroscience and art to create a comprehensive approach to impression management. In addition to working with private clients, Isabella also lectures and conducts workshops for large organizations and Ivy League universities. Hello, Isabella. Hi, Oscar. How are you, Isabella? I'm very well. I'm glad to be here with you today. Happy to have you here. Well, very welcome to the show. Could you start telling us a bit your, what is your motivation to become what you are today? You are a image strategist, a personal branding coach. And tell us a bit about this. My motivation came from a deep love of art and of fashion. But I think that when people consider fashion, it's on a very superficial level. So I wanted to present it in a way that the average person who's not walking the catwalk could understand. And style is something that we're all affected by. Within the first seven seconds of meeting someone, we assess their income, their education, their sexual orientation, so many things we assess naturally within them. And a lot of this is subconscious. So my question was, what if we could control the narrative? That's where I'm coming from. So I like to combine the training I had at FIT, which taught me basically the elements of style and how to present a client, how to present myself, both in person and on stage, as we're speaking about today, with my neuroleadership training, which is brain-based coaching. So I actually engage my client's <clears throat> prefrontal cortex so they can reach certain goals. And part of that, of their goal, usually, is to communicate better, to communicate more effectively. Okay, it's very interesting what you what you say in in, in this combination of uh, disciplines that you are um, you are here combining. And could you tell us what a personal brand involves? A personal brand, although part of it is your image, it encompasses your behavior, your communication, your online or digital presence, as well as your appearance. So it's those four components. That's mm -hmm. your personal brand. That's a personal brand. Mm -hmm. And it's also your professional brand. So you don't want to confuse the two. They do overlap mm -hmm. a lot. If you're applying for any position today, even if you're, let's say you're vying for an opportunity to 
to speak publicly at a venue where there are others that are also looking to do the same thing that you're doing in mm-hmm. a similar um, field, then whoever is sifting between the candidates will look at your online presence. And that's part of your professional and your personal brand. So you want to be aware of what's out there and make sure that everything is harmonious and that you're representing yourself in a way you can be proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, there's a very interesting point you mentioned that uh, of course, it's, it's not only uh, people will see you when they meet you, but they can, um, yeah, go to Google and search a bit more. And mostly people will find a lot of photos. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yes. So you want to make sure that they're not overly casual or something that you would feel embarrassed by. That's very important. Mm-hmm. So often these days we meet a person virtually before we ever meet them in person. And that can be even in the same city. So it, if you're giving a digital handshake, make sure that you're presenting the right version of you. And that's where the appearance comes in, because how much do we have to judge a person by or to understand what they represent than what we're seeing of them online? And is there any distinction between uh, brand and image? Image is an integral part of your brand. It can't be escaped. We like to say it's not the most important things, that your skills are the most important things, your accomplishments are the most important things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's, it's human nature. We do assess a person by their image. The great thing is we all have control over it. And it's not about being the most attractive person in the room. Mm-hmm. It's about being polished and neat. Those are the two things that you can take away from today's podcast. If you are polished, if you are neat, if you are the best version of yourself then you will make a wonderful impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the best version of yourself. No, that's, a, that's a really great takeaway. Well, thank you. I like to instill my clients with the confidence to complement their competence. I think that's important. A lot of people, they have the skill set, but they don't have the confidence that goes along with it. And we really should. There is so much potential that lies inside each one of us. It's up to us to show it, to unlock it, to unleash that for everyone. Because when we hold that back, we're actually depriving the rest of society of all the gifts that we have to give them. Yeah, that's very, very true what you're saying. Now, uh, focusing on going on stage, because we yes. talk a lot about preparation for speaking in public, going to the stage, focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, what if we, first, we, I will ask you, what are the the common mistake, the things that we should really avoid when you're in the, in the outfit, when we are going to speak in public? That's an excellent question. I would say you do want to be comfortable in your clothes, but once again, it goes back to being neat and polished. You don't want to look like you don't care. You shouldn't wear a size that is not your size. And for women, a big concern is sometimes we'll put on something that a size we used to be or an aspirational Mm. size. (laughs) (laughs) So be honest with yourself. If you have to cut the tag out of the dress before you put it on, because mentally you can't wrap your head around the fact that you may be double digits now, do that and put on the the dress that you actually should be wearing. If you wear something that's too tight or too loose, it doesn't look well and you won't actually be comfortable. You'll be very self-confident, self, um, conscious on stage. And that will be portrayed to your audience. They may not know why you're uncomfortable, but they will sense it and it will affect your ability to engage with your audience. And that is one of the worst things that can happen because it's completely avoidable and absolutely in your control. So is, for instance, the 
the size, the size is. Yes, ill-fitting. And this goes for men as well. If you can have something that, depending on your shape, if you can have something, perhaps a suit or a pair of slacks that if it's a more casual setting that have been tailored, that would be great. I don't mean bespoke because not everyone can afford that, obviously. But mm -hmm. if it's tailored to fit you, that would be great. Many times when we do presentations, they are filmed. So think of this as your online or your, what do they call it? A sizzle reel. It's almost like a resume, yeah, but it's exactly. online and it's visual and everyone can see it. You want, again, to present the best version of yourself. What is This is the only thing people ever see of you. And this is the deciding factor on whether or not to select you as a speaker or another candidate. Mm -hmm. Think of it that way. Yes. Um, and what about colors? That's another good question. Colors, people tend to play it safe and um, go with black. I want to say you can't go wrong with that, but that's not always true. If you're um, very pale, black can actually make you look a bit washed out. <laughs> and um, you can. You can look sick, <laughs> which is not what we're going for. So I would say you can use black. I always like a little pop of color, personally. I would say the safest colors and one of the, the most popular colors that people tend to love, blue. Mm-hmm. You cannot go wrong with blue. And one of the best shades of blue would be a royal blue, which is also known as like a cobalt blue. They're in the same family. It instills trust. It instills confidence. It makes you a lot more likable. You don't have to wear that, but that is one of the best colors. You can, put, you can incorporate that into whatever you're wearing. Let's put it that way. And I would never be overly casual, even if you're speaking to let's say graduate students, mm -hmm. because they're looking at you as an expert in your field, whoever you're speaking with, you should be not undressing at their level, but a, a notch up as if an authority, your image should project this. I know what I'm talking about because people see you before you open your mouth. You've already done the talking by what you're wearing and your body language. Mm, anything as else far as colors to avoid i would be very careful about red mm -hmm. uh orange a little yellow here and there is not a bad thing yellow is a very nice very happy color if you wear a color that's considered loud and you don't balance it with a neutral you can actually turn your audience off if you wear it in something that's very dominant Mm. This does not apply to comedians. They can wear whatever they want. <laughs> the same comes for hats. <laughs> the thing about a hat, it can be nice, but you don't want anything that distracts from you or distracts from your message. That's the other problem. It could be wonderful, but if it's something that is so captivating that we stop paying attention to what you're saying because we're so engrossed in this fantastic hat that we've never seen before, <laughs> you've just defeated yourself. So especially the colors that are too dominant or too um, too appealing, they call the attention. Those are the especially the one have be avoided. They can be nice, but just in in moderation as an accessory, as an mm. accent, okay. but not as the main thing. Not the as main. a blazer, not as a top, not as a pant, but as an accessory. Perhaps in jewelry, perhaps in a tie for a gentleman or a kerchief, something like that even in cufflinks to give a little pop of color. I don't think anything's wrong with that. It's very boring to see someone in all black all the time or all gray or something that's a little too neutral. So I do believe in color, just incorporating it in a tactful, modest way. It shouldn't be the focal point. You are the focal point. You want something that attracts and accentuates you, but doesn't compete with you. And now focusing on 
yes. or more external factors, more, let's say, technical factors that happens when you, when you go to the stage and there might be, for instance, um, and some, uh, some lights that are too, feel too hot or things, things like that. Um, what should you be would, prepared? Okay. Well, you would definitely communicate with whoever is working the lights or the microphone or what have you. Typically, before you have a speaking engagement, you have an agreement on what type of microphone you'll be using, whether it's going to be handheld or one of those um, wireless, like the clip-on kind. Mm -hmm. And if you're wearing a clip-on kind, as a as a man, that's usually not an issue. You can stick it anywhere on your blazer, at the top of you know, in the neck of your shirt, or something like that, or on your tie. Better yet, for a woman, this is a different consideration because if it's not going to be handheld, which I actually prefer because you're able mm -hmm. to gesture and really engage with the audience that way. I would say that you need to be mindful of what you wear so you can clip it in a way that's not awkward or cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And once again, detracting from your message. The whole thing is for people to be focused on you in a good way and what you're saying. So the point is to be able to get your message across without any interference. So you would work that out before you even get there. And if you have your own as a backup, even better. As far as the background, you would actually take that into consideration. If you've never been to the venue, I would suggest you either have them send you a picture of it if it's not already available online so that whatever you wear doesn't clash with that or you don't blend in too much. Mm -hmm. Because if you wear the exact same color, we may just see kind of like this bobblehead, <laughs> this kind of floating head going by, <laughs> which will look even worse on film. In person, at least there's more of a 3D effect, but on film, it's a, you're just going to see the head bopping which is, it'll be weird <laughs> to say the least. And you mentioned something about the temperature, I believe. You should definitely be aware of that before you get there. But if you wear layers, you can easily adjust to the temperature. If it's too warm, you can take off a layer. If it's too cold, you can put on a layer. Just make sure that everything is complimentary and professional and befitting the audience and what you're speaking about. Mm -hmm. And there's also a difference if you have to be, for instance, behind a podium lectern, so more, yes. more or less static because of the reason it might be a speech, for instance, and in other circumstances, you have to be more moving around really. Mm -hmm. It can be like a one hour keynote. You have, you are going to be walking, walking. And what is it, especially in this, in this case, that you're going to be moving for some time. Mm -hmm. What should you pay attention there? I think that's a great point. I'm glad you, you mentioned that. If you can get rid of the podium, by all means do that. I would prefer that because as I mentioned um, when I was speaking to someone else earlier, a podium can be a physical barrier between you and your audience. If you're not able to, and if they can push it to the side, either to the left or the right side of the stage, that would be best. But make sure that like we're going back again to whatever you wear and needs to be comfortable and you need mm -hmm. to be able to move in it. I would suggest that three days prior to any speaking engagement, you know what you're wearing and you do a practice run. Mm -hmm. It could be in your living room. It could be at a nearby auditorium. It could be in your driveway if that's all you have available, <laughs> but walk up and down in it. If you have someone else that can take a look at you and tell you how it flows with you, that would be even better. And this it does apply to men because it could apply to the cuff of your pant or the way your jacket is falling if it's not cut right or if it needs to be taken in or taken out, etc. But especially to women that they be aware of how they look in all angles. Because as you walk around the stage, 
people are seeing you from all angles. And what may have looked good in the front may look horrible from the side or from the back or something that you missed because you didn't have an extra pair of eyes. So by all means, enlist a colleague, your friend, your family, someone else that can give you that 360 feedback. Yeah, of course, that's a, that's a good uh, piece of advice that someone give you feedback. And also, yes, as, as you said, it's the importance of the preparation, because in preparation, besides the, the content of what you are going to, how you are going to perform, is, yeah, I haven't thought of that. Um, usually when, for instance, personally, when I rehearse, I don't dress mm-hmm. exactly how I'm going to perform. So I dress more casually, just at home or with friends. But yeah, it's... Um, if I guess it's, it's like a role play. It's like as if it's a performance, just like you would rehearse before opening night, or let's say for, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with Broadway shows that we have mm-hmm. here in America, and I'm sure you have a similar venue there. They don't just go on stage that night and say, okay, we're going to just take it from the top. We'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> no, they rehearse over and over and over. They perfect their art because they know how po- important it is to get every part that's in their control, every facet, right. So they even do a dress rehearsal after mm. they practice the lines. The same is true here. It's not a performance per se in that it's some regurgitated material that you, you, you're not trying to engage the audience with. It's not a performance on that level, but public speaking is in a sense a performance and that depending on the level of interaction, they're watching you mm-hmm. as they would an actor. The difference is the takeaway is different. They want to take away knowledge that they can apply to their lives, to their businesses, as opposed to just going to be entertained, but it is a type of performance. And so you should prepare in a similar matter. There should be a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea also. Could you now name a few of well-known public speakers uh, who you can give example that they dress really well? Could you name all? Both sure, uh, I'll <laughs> give examples of those who dress well for their body type. Mm-hmm. Better yet, <laughs> or it just goes with them. Um, let's see. There's Sylvie DiGiusto, who's actually my mentor. Um, she does public speaking. She's very tall. She's almost six feet. <laughs> and um, she has a radical type personality. She does tend to wear black a lot, but it's very sleek. It's very luxurious. It's very confident. And although she's tall, she's not afraid to wear heels, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Own who you are. Whatever your body type is, instead of trying to be something else, own it, be proud of it. And walk out with confidence. And that confidence that you feel will translate to the audience. And they'll be so much more receptive to you. It's funny. Sometimes we think our body issues don't or image issues don't translate to an audience. But because it affects our confidence, Mm -hmm. they can feel that. They may not know why the discomfort is there, but they'll feel it. Um, Let's see. Two other speakers that come to mind. I believe there's Travis. Let's double check. Travis Bradbury. He's an excellent speaker. He typically wears a suit if memory serves. And it's not luxurious, but it's obviously quality. It's very nice. It fits his slim frame. It looks as if it's been tailored. I don't know if it's bespoke or not. I wouldn't go to that. I wouldn't assume that. But he's always on his A game. He always looks ready to present to C-suite, to his audience. He fits in. He's very personable if he needs to unbutton the the suit jacket or take off the tie to be a little more casual. He does that. The same is true of Jeff Hazlett, who is bigger boned, 
and he has a country sort of background from he's from the Midwest, I believe. And he's got a cowboy kind of swagger. He owns who he is. He's very comfortable in what he's wearing. So that shows the importance of wearing something that's appropriate, but also comfortable, something that's true to you. So what may look good on someone else Mm -hmm. may not necessarily be the best choice for you. You can use it to inspire you, but you may not want to imitate it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And now that I was thinking also in being uh, distinctive, unique, um, what about using some props like a hat, something really... I would be cautious about that. Hmm? I think that when you're a professional speaker, your message should be what's unique. The way you deliver it is what should be unique. When it comes to hats, you can wear a hat. The reason why I say be cautious about it is, once again, you don't want anything that detracts from your message or that is so unique that we don't know what you said, but we'll never forget that hat. (laughs) (laughs) And that can happen, you know? Um, Like I said, this does not apply to comedians, obviously. They can get away with wearing some out there fantastical type garments that the rest of us would never wear in daylight because they're supposed to be funny. But we're talking about your typical professional speaker who's in a professional venue. So if, would you go into an office with a hat? That's your question. Would you work a nine to five job with a hat? If you're talking to executives, you want them to take them, them to take you seriously. Even in a university, unless it's the baseball cap of that university, would mm-hmm. you wear that outside of that context? <laughs> Does it, the question is, does it add to your gravitas? Does it add to your sense of authority or does it take away from it? If you're speaking to fashion industry professionals, sure, that may be an opportunity for you to wear a hat, but realize that whatever you wear in that venue, they'll be hypercritical because they'll know what season it come, it came from. They'll know what year it came from. They'll know if it's truly fitting your face. Then you have another form of criticism there. So I would say I would steer away from that kind of prop. Now, visual aids, I think, are wonderful. If you're illustrating something and you bring in a prop that's other than a PowerPoint, I think that's awesome because that draws the audience in. For example, I've seen quite a few speakers that talk about prioritizing the most important things in in our lives. And they'll usually hold a glass jar and on the side, they'll have sand and pebbles and other Mm -hmm. things. And they have one way where they put it all in kind of haphazardly. And then you can't screw the lid on the jar because the priorities are skewed. Then they empty the jar and redo it. But then they put the first, the most important priority first Mm. and they layer the same materials in that jar. And then they lock the lid on it comfortably, which show what happens when all your priorities are in order, then it's fitting. I like those type of props. If it's a prop that goes in harmony with your message, by all means, if it's a prop that's going to detract from your message, that's not a good thing. That's exactly the opposite of what your objective is. Mm-hmm. So what would be the best way to be, to look distinctive, if not with props? <laughs> <laughs> to be comfortable, not overly casual, to have, for men, I would say to have a quality, distinctive tie, mm-hmm. to wear clothes that fit your body type. This goes for men and for women. If a man is portly, um, perhaps a little overweight, he shouldn't put the belt underneath his stomach, which I've seen done. You still put it on your waist. <laughs> um, 
I have to mention this. You asked, (laughs) (laughs) but it's yeah. And yes, (laughs) without going too far, (laughs) that is what you would do. You wear the best, like I said, it's about you being the best version of you. Yeah, exactly. You are unique enough within yourself. You don't have to sell us on that. At this point, we're paying attention to your message. So if your look is right, if it's polished, if it's neat, then we will focus on what is coming out of your mouth. And I think as a presenter, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Polish and neat, as you said yes. <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yes, yes. And that goes for hair as well. Hair and nails. Let's never escape that. For I know facial hair is really in fashion now. Uh, I know it's been in fashion in Europe for quite some time, but it's mm-hmm. very in fashion here. Anything I'd say about that, this is where good grooming comes in. Mm. We should not mistake you for, how do I put this? <laughs> we have a new politically correct term here. I don't know if you're using it over there. Uh, for someone who's financially insecure. In other words, someone who is soliciting for funds in the public. Mm-hmm. So if you're grooming, your facial hair is not groomed appropriately, we would not want to mistake you for one of those individuals. <laughs> if you weren't on the stage. Does that make sense? Or should I be more specific? <laughs> yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay, uh, Definitely, <laughs> we, we get a point. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. There's so, nothing wrong with having facial hair. Once again, neat, clean. We don't want to wonder, is there something in there that we should be aware of? Or be <laughs> afraid that something may crawl out to get us. <laughs> <laughs> Isabella, could you now share with us your favorite quotation? Sure. I'll have to abbreviate it. It is, um, it's from a poem. I, I, I think it's a poem. It's Marianne Williamson. And um, it was titled Our Greatest Fear. She says, it is, not, it is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to manifest the glory of God that is within us. I think that is wonderful. She says, as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So by being the best version of you in your daily life and when on stage presenting to others, you inspire them to be the best of themselves. And that should be our objective, to always bring our A-game and to bring out the best in every person we interact with. Just imagine what kind of world we would be in if every person we spoke to while we're speaking to them feels like at that moment they're the most important person in the world to us. And that's the key of a great communicator. It's not about you. It's about your audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great poem and quotation. You have to definitely send me the text. I will, I will include it on the show notes of this episode. Of course. I'd love to. And I thank you for this opportunity. Could you now share one, one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential to you? Yes, it is by Sally, and you will not forget her last name, <laughs> Hogshead. That's H-O-G-S-H-E-A-D. 
she has two books and I'm thinking about the one that I really fell in love with. It's how the world sees you. It's wonderful because it does deal with branding, professional mm-hmm. and personal branding. We are, our view of the world is so myopic sometimes and that we're so centered in how we, how do we get ahead? What's best for us? How do I look? But we're only looking through our eyes. This book helps us see ourselves from the outside. It's a mirror into who we are. And I love it for that. It shows you how to put your best foot forward. And her famous um, saying that's trending over social media is different is better than better. So instead of blending in, stand out for the right reasons. And it's very encouraging, but it's very effective in branding in the business world as well. And you were talking about how can someone be distinctive? If you can figure out how the world sees you and make sure they see you as you want to be seen, you'll mm-hmm. be incredibly effective in every interaction that you have. The different is better than better. Yeah, it sounds like a very interesting book. Yes, it's how the world sees you. It came out in 2014. And she's written a follow-up to that, but I won't mention it because you only asked for the one. <laughs> and that was my inter- <laughs> that was my introduction to her. Awesome, she's an yeah? incredible, energized, passionate person and it comes across in her writing it's available on itunes and um the audio is wonderful she reads it herself oh, and it's opinion. like sitting with her in her living room as she's telling you the best way to be you basically you are convincing me to listen to the <laughs> audiobook right away but it's yeah? wonderful if you think about it social media and society they put forth this image of what's supposed to be perfect mm. well what if that's really not perfect that's yeah, perfect that's- for that person but it's not perfect for you What if you being the best version of you means you honing on to your differences and accentuating that? So it's wonderful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Isabella, it's almost the end of the interview. Finally, okay. I will ask you final takeaway for us. Mm-hmm. Would you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend to do as daily or weekly, a routine okay. to shine? I pray every day. I realize that every, not everyone um, has faith in, in, in God, and I, I respect that choice. So I would suggest if praying to God is not something that you do on a daily basis or something that's realistic for you, then you find something to meditate on, something positive. Mm-hmm. And you count the blessings, the things in your life that are going well, and you focus more externally than internally. How can I improve someone else's day? Focus less on what you are getting and focus more on what you can give. And that has changed the way I interact with the world and made me generally a happy person because I realized how many wonderful things I already have going right in my life. Well, thanks a lot for that. It's been a You're pleasure. Welcome. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Isabella. Finally, Likewise. tell us how we can learn more about you, follow you. What are the best ways for that? Oh, um, sure. I, let's see, have two Twitter handles. There's my professional one, which is my first initial underscore C-L-I-V-I-L-E-Z-W-U. And then there's my corporate Twitter handle, which is Woo and Cleveland's. Uh, and let's see, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. There's my website, of course, www.wooandcleveless.com. 
And if you like this podcast and you are inspired or motivated by anything that was said today, feel free to follow me on Instagram where I share inspirational and motivational quotes and little snippets of my life as I bond with other professionals and entrepreneurs and female entrepreneurs. And we try to make this world a better place. Fantastic. I'm sure many of us will go and check. I already checked your Instagram, so they are really awesome photos and inspirational quotes, as you mentioned. So I invite everybody to do the same. And again, thanks a lot, uh, Isabella, for this interview. And I wish all the best. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. Let's keep in touch. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time.